1: Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast. I'm Jacqueline Coley, and I'm joined today by my partner in crime, my illustrious co-host, Mr. Mark Ellis. How you doing, sir?
2: Jacqueline, I'm doing great. What a great weekend we had. We got to meet up in person. It was enjoyable. We got into a raging debate over how you like your wings. Jacqueline is bone in. I am bone out. And so Jacqueline immediately demeaned me with the ultimate insult that I'm merely eating nuggets.
1: I'm sorry, it's the truth, and I love you, and maybe we'll post like the telephonic evidence, because I do love that Mark, the great Instagrammer that he is, remembered to take an actual picture, but just know that was two seconds after I basically was like, you're having kids meal wings.
2: Chastised me, (laughs) And, and that's why I'm concerned doing the show today, is because I'm very excited to talk about the movie in question, but I have a feeling our guest... Is going to side with you. If I know yeah. him as well as I think I do, I think he's siding with you. And so I'm already outnumbered. I feel yeah. like Justin Hammer in this podcast.
1: Yes. Oh, glad, Great Marvel segue, MCU segue. Yeah, because today, <laughs> look, Black Widow is coming out into theaters tomorrow. And we're going to go ahead and revisit the uh, movie where we met her for the first time uh, when she was still Natalie. Yep. We're talking about Iron Man 2. Folks, this one came out in 2010 with plenty of references that clock it for 2010. We'll get that (laughs) there in a minute. Uh, The tomato meter is at 72 percent and it's certified fresh with an audience score of 71 percent. Looks like most people really enjoy this one. But, you know, let me go ahead and just ask our guest today. You guys remember him, friend. He is a certified fresh guest. God, I don't even know how many times. Maybe this fourth, fifth time, Jay? I, I don't know, but... It's Jay, fourth or fifth. Fourth or fifth. Yeah, Jay Washington. You know him from Blurreds in the Hood and plenty of other places across the internet. Sir, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about Iron Man 2?
3: Yes, but I have a reason why they're wrong. Ooh. Do you want to tease that reason? Intriguing it should be higher.
1: Wow. Oh, okay. okay. Coming with that spice. Hey, look, I think this is going to be a fun episode. All right. We're going to go ahead and and definitely break down Iron Man Two. talk about all the fun scenes, all the movies, all the greatness. But first, um, Mark, give us your quick synopsis. What is Iron Man 2 about?
2: I will do my best, Jay, coming in with the heat, the spice, which is how I like my wings, excuse me, nuggets. So for Iron Man 2, this is what we're looking at, kids, is that Tony Stark is now out in public and everybody knows he is actually the one who is Iron Man. Got a couple problems here, not the least of which is his own ego, which is starting to get a little tiny bit out of control. He also has the government. Yep. Government mule is trying to take his suit. He says it's just an apparatus. It's part of him. But they say, no, I think that's actually a weapon and you need to hand it over to the state. He also has the issue that his daddy, who pioneered a lot of this technology, who's now gone, was working with a Russian who got defected or deported depending on which story you believe that Russian had a kid and a lot like Ivan Drago having a kid from Rocky IV this Russian's kid is very upset at Tony Stark and he has some blueprints, and he's got some ways to make some similar technology to Iron Man. And so when that comes to a head and he joins forces with Justin Hammer, who the government relies on more, they rely on Tony Stark. We have our enemy. Luckily, it's not just Tony Stark. You also have Don Cheadle as Rhodey in this one. Yes, kids, I said Don Cheadle taking over for Terrence Howard and Pepper Potts becoming the new CEO of Stark Industries. It's a lot to chew on. There's a whole lot of stuff in this movie. I'm just not sure if Rotten Tomatoes is right or wrong. Ooh.
1: Yeah, we're gonna get our take on uh, right or wrong, but first we're gonna go ahead and say hi to producer Lucy who we're blessed to even have with us today because she's had some computer (laughs) issues that almost kept her from us this weekend, kids. Let me tell you.
4: my word.
1: It's crazy. I don't even have a microphone
4: right now. Mama. Um, oh, and my child.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, hello.
4: In. I Pretty was scared. He makes an appearance. I'll say hello. All I have to say about this movie is, I Mama. want my board. Yeah. I want my board. I want board. I like boards. <laughs> Do you have boards?
1: Uh, another, another episode with Boris and Natasha realness. I love it. One of these days, we're just going to line up all of the Russian. If we have any certain we have any uh, ketchup crew Russian folks. Please judge these accents. I want to yeah. hear a definitive ranking of the of the Russian accents we've had so far. And I will include rounders, which we just referenced in the podcast only. Anyway, oh,
2: right. The Oreo eating Russian.
1: Yeah, we haven't done that movie, but we definitely talked about it. You all should. right. Shout out to Franny, uh, producing Lucy's lovely daughter. And Jay, let's kick it off. Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about Iron Man 2. What's up? What do you got? Because
3: I think it should be higher. This movie, uh, this is the movie that officially makes Marvel Studios become a thing and decide we can make something bigger. And you have a lot. At the time, we didn't know what to expect. We just had these one-off movies. You had Iron Man 1. You had The Incredible Hulk. And you're like, okay, we're we doing Iron Man 2. And then we're going to start doing th- Then we're going to set up Thor later on, because the very post credit scene when you see Thor's hammer. You have Tony's demon-in-a-bottle storyline, which is teased. where it's he's an alcoholic, but they don't fully go there. But I'm like, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, the Don Cheadle as Rhodey in the very first introduction in the Senate subcommittee here, when he's like, it's me. I'm here. Let's get over it. Let's do it. It was the best way to just drop all of that. Not, not that you look different. Everything. You know, you have Tony coming to terms with, like you said, he's an egomaniac because he's like, I privatized world peace. But then he realizes, oh, you can't do it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all these things. Sam Rockwell is hilarious in this movie. Yeah. Like, we don't give him enough credit for what he brought to Iron Man 2. I'm hoping they bring him back in the Armor Wars series. Granted, now nah, he didn't want Academy Awards. He seemed to be too busy. <laughs> you know, but you have all these things. Mickey Rourke, for what it is, again, he's coming off an Oscar-nominated performance in The Wrestler, you know, and when you hear Mickey Rourke is going to play a Russian, you're like, uh, you sure about this? I mean, he looks like it. He could drink a lot of vodka. I mean, don't get me wrong. <laughs> and for me, the very first time when we see him after his father dies and he does the terrible scream. Where he, ah! Like, how many takes did they do with that scream until they just was like, you know what? This is what we're going to go with. We're not, we're not even going to try to go any further. But again, yeah. there's so much in how it builds up. I, I didn't even get to Scarlett Johansson. Well, we'll get out to her. We'll get
1: to her. You I get I'm saying? it. But
3: there's so much stuff that this movie does and sets up, even seeing the clip from The Incredible Hulk when Nick Fury is giving him his assessment of himself. Like, yeah. you have to pay attention. That's the, the footage from when The Hulk tears up Culver University. So it was so much in this because it was building so much so quick.
1: Yeah. And shout out to Jon Favreau, the director of this one, who, you know, he had a tall order with Iron Man, but this was even taller because, yeah, you're right. It's the building block of the Avengers. All right, Mark, I think I know what your thoughts are, but uh, is Rotten Tomatoes wrong about Iron Man 2?
2: I think Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about Iron Man 2 for the opposite reason of Jay but I don't think it's so wrong that this movie should be below fresh I think it's definitely a fresh movie it was a very tall order for Jon Favreau and company to turn this around and get this movie made on schedule because it's just two years later and Jay's right we're setting up a lot for the future in here but whereas upon revisiting Avengers Age of Ultron which you did for the show I saw a lot more that I liked in that maybe even than I did when I actually saw it because it made more sense in retrospect this one To me, it feels slower. It feels like there's less life to it. It feels like we're trying to force a lot of Tony Stark fun into a movie that just doesn't have that overall magic feel of the first one. And I just don't get the sense of enjoyment in this movie that I got from the first one or from the third Iron Man. Uh, it released the first half of the third Iron Man. So yeah. I, I feel like this is a movie that I can rewatch. I can enjoy some stuff in. I love the the opening sequence of Tony um, arriving at Stark Expo. I thought that, that that showed a lot of that life. And then I just felt like we were missing a little bit of that zest for most of the rest of the movie. I will agree with Jay that uh, Sam Rockwell's great in it. Don Cheadle's great, and I like Mickey work. I bought him as 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 the Russian villain. I just overall didn't quite get that sense of magic that I got with the first one, and it's it's tough to compare this or any movie to the original Iron Man because that is sort of the gold standard.
1: Yeah. Um, I, man, I think this is a reversal. I always feel bad because I feel for like the past few episodes, I've been Debbie Downer being like, this is trash. <laughs> but I had a good old time with Iron Man too. I really felt this actually clicked in on something that I really like when they do, when they show the vulnerability of invulnerable characters. I, I love, love, love that because it is so delicious. And I think of a movie like Skyfall, like James Bond is the ultimate sky. But, like, after he gets shot near his heart, he's just like, I'm going to go get drunk on an island and I don't really care about saving the world. And I think, you know, you see the elements of that in this one. And I actually really enjoyed that sort of layer to Tony. It makes some of the stuff that happens later when he becomes so committed to saving the world even more, I would say relevant and and important and uh also I just like uh, Justin Throw's humor. I think the fact that they had a villain who's into whips and basically a BDSM harness that's Justin <laughs> Throw. Yeah. Like don't get it twisted. They could have done that character so many different ways like Again, on top of Boris and Natasha Realdis, like Mickey Work has given his best uh, effort to be Christian Grey. <laughs> I mean, I'm so serious in this I one, did though. do
2: a, a double take and I did look it up immediately on my phone. Then I put it away for the rest of the movie, but when I saw the credits <laughs> and I saw Justin throw was the, was the writer. I'm like, wait, 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 that the actor. And yeah, so no, I, he's, I'm he's just done. an elitist and I just assumed that actors aren't going to be able to be screenwriters as well. And I was proven dead wrong.
1: Yeah. I think he did one of the Charlie's angels and I know he did Tropic Thunder. He's like, he's an actually, a, yeah, he's, yeah, a, he's, he's done, done a, a few. few and uh, quite talented and, and you hate them for that because he also looks good. It's like, you can't be like talented <laughs> and actor hot and you're hogging like, it all. You know, it's And like, he got to marry Jen Aniston. I mean, seriously. Like, I mean, dude has had it a little bit You just too can't good.
3: keep winning like this, fam. No. You just can't keep winning. <laughs>
1: like, I need you to have like a bad mole or something. Like, something needs to go wrong for you. Anyway, but that's our sort of thoughts on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. Like I said, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm kind of with Jay. I think it should be higher. Like, I had so much fun mm. with this movie. Um, and again, the, the things that I didn't like about it Felt like it wasn't the movie's fault and we'll get into that and that's mostly about casting but let us go ahead and take ourselves back just 11 short years but it feels like so much longer to 2010 uh tim ryan our view curation manager is going to break us down uh what the critics were saying at the time so brian cue the music
4: two men's with tim two men's with tim two men's-
0: of strange to say this in retrospect, but rereading the Iron Man reviews from 2008, you're struck by how many critics were almost surprised at how well it worked, particularly Robert Downey Jr. in the title role, which seems kind of crazy in retrospect. But But by the time of Iron Man 2 in 2010, some of that shine had worn off a bit. The reviews were solid, but not spectacular, and the feeling among critics seemed to be that while Downey and Mickey Rourke gave terrific performances, the story was substantially less interesting and it felt like more of a setup for the sequels rather than a completely satisfying movie on its own. It's certified fresh at 72% on the Tomato Meter with 304 reviews, and it's got a 71% audience score. So what did the critics have to say? In a fresh review, Moira McDonald of the Seattle Times wrote, Downey still has plenty of moments of charm. Nobody kicks a car aside as casually as this guy. And most of the action sequences are lively and fun. However, in a rotten review, Renee Rodriguez of the Miami Herald wrote, Iron Man 2 is more of a setup for the upcoming Avengers picture than a standalone adventure, a puzzling and unexpected disappointment considering how fresh and entertaining the first picture was. The RT Critics' consensus reads, it isn't quite the breath of fresh air that Iron Man was, but this sequel comes close with solid performances and an action-packed plot. All right, so that's Iron Man 2. Let's kick it back to those genius billionaire philanthropists, Jacqueline and Mark. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I wish I was a billionaire. I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey, perception is reality, Jacqueline. We got to live like Tim Ryan thinks we should be living.
1: I mean, seriously. Rotten Tomatoes, make it happen. He said it. So now y'all have to do it. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Uh, look, I, I, it's interesting, too, because... I think I saw Iron Man 2 like, at home. I don't think I saw this one in the theater. In fact, I'm almost positive I didn't see this one in the theater. Um, those are what we call the blurry years when I lived in Austin. Mm. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I but, saw this uh, in the
2: theater opening night, and it was at ArcLight. May it rest in peace for now, or take a nice nap in peace. It's, all, it it's on
1: life support. Let's just say it's on life support. Let's. Put I that saw it at
2: ArcLight in Hollywood, and um, I, I was sitting in the front row, as you do, especially in ArcLight. And John Favreau came out to surprise the crowds, introduce it, and ah. then another surprise—he brought Robert Downey Jr. out, and so everybody went crazy. And so I think that that like that energy going into how much energy the first. 30-ish minutes of this movie has was really, really fun. I was completely finished with my popcorn.
1: Oh my God. Well, Jay, we're gonna break down, you know, when you saw it, how you saw it, and mm-hmm. kind of why you love it and and agree with me that it should be higher. But let's go ahead and transition over into movie talk. Brian, cue the music. Okay, dokie. So, Jay, where'd you see it? Where'd you see? It? Uh,
3: Ford City Theater. Ford City's a mall in Chicago at the theater where everybody hung out and kicked it because, of course, that's what you do in the 2000s in Mm. Chicago, just kick it at a mall for some reason because you didn't have no money. You just was there. Uh, I saw it. I remember going to see it because I'm a comic book fan. So any comic book movie that came out, I was at the theater to see it regardless. It it, it didn't matter. My my impression would be made after I saw the movie if I'd be like, I don't want to ever watch this again. But I remember watching it, and I remember just being like, Ooh, I'm in love with this. I was a big kid in theater, you know. And it, it, again, it got me because again, knowing the comic book storyline, like I said earlier, and seeing Mickey Rourke, I was like, this dude just went off a top rope a couple years ago as a wrestler. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, now he is out here in tidy whities in a Russian prison, in a French prison, excuse me, uh, telling Tony Stark, "You lose, you lose, you make <laughs> God bleed." We used to believe in him. You know, so I remember watching all. I remember laughing about a lot of that. but then I remember, like, I my, one of my biggest pops for me was the Happy and Nat and uh, Natalia Natalie, whatever she was called at the time, the the Black Widow Happy scene when they were in Hammer Technology and Happy fighting one dude, and you mm-hmm. got Scarlett Johansson running through people. That was the moment I was like, I was one of them. I was like, Yep, this can't do no wrong again because it was it was going for me. I was loving it, and again. Don Cheadle has always been that dude for me. I've, I've been a fan of Don Cheadle for as long as I can remember. And so to watch him just be like, well, I'm in this movie. Let's see what happens. Because he didn't even know. He got mm-hmm. signed up. When he got asked to do the movie, they was like, hey, bro, you got an hour to decide if <laughs> you want to do this or not. And he was like, well, I guess. And then he just in it, and he having so much fun, and you see it. So it was just so many memories for me with this movie.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mark, what about you? So, like, I, I I guess you're like lukish warm on it, so I don't know if I want to start with maybe why you were like feeling that it was slow or disjointed or maybe not enjoying it as much. But did you have one of those scenes where you're like, "This is the magic. This is the Iron Man. Gimme, gimme."
2: Yeah, and I think one of them—it's a little scene, it's a quick scene—but it is the very first time that we see Scarlett Johansson as Natalie Slash, who ends up being revealed as Black Widow. Is that scene where Tony and Happy are training, and he's doing his boxing, he's doing his MMA, and then for whatever reason, he just tells Natalie, "He's like, okay, now you go in the ring and let's see what you got." And she just takes down Happy, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, that's fun, and this person definitely now is worthy of being an Avenger just from seeing that. If some senior take down a middle aged director, I was like, you know what? Yes, you are now officially an Avenger. Oh, wow. Very, very impressive
4: individual. So She's fluent in you French,
1: Italian, Russian, Latin. Who speaks Latin?
4: No one speaks Latin. No it's a dead Latin. language. You, you can read Latin or you yeah. can write Latin, Did but you, you, model you can't model speak in Tokyo? Latin
1: Because so she
2: modeled in Tokyo. Well, I need her. She's
1: got everything that
2: I need. Rule number one never take your eye off your opponent. <laughs> Oh my god! But that was legal. You're like that's somebody from legal. You're like this is
3: not right. This is legal department.
2: Not. It was a fun joke. (laughs) It was a fun recurring joke throughout the because he'd like where are you from, and she'd just say legal, and it's like well that okay. Uh, You giving us the full story here?
1: Yeah. I also think it's really funny too because when I was watching this, I was watching this with someone who watches Friends, and I am not. I've only seen the Thanksgiving episodes and maybe like three others, um, and they thought it was funny because apparently John Favreau was on Friends, mm-hmm. and he played yeah. a dude that was a boxing an, an champion. MMA,
2: he played a he wanted to be a cage fighter is how they referred to it at the time.
1: That's what it was. And I just yeah. feel like there's, when it comes to any moment when John Favreau is on screen, he very much feels like the director that's like, yeah, I'm the director and I can do this. So I'm going to <laughs> put my little friend's call back and I'm going to literally put Robert Downey Jr. in what every other time I'm staring at him all day, let me make him pretend like he's staring at me all day and I have the camera operator pretend that Robert Downey Jr. signing cards. And you know what I mean? Like, it's literally like I'm like, you are really like I get to do all the driving like <laughs> I'm like, you just wanted to have stunt car time. Like, let's be honest. Um, so I, I do think that. And if I was in the director's chair for a multi-million-dollar movie after I was the one that told them they absolutely had to get this guy, I'm going to have fun in this movie, too, you know, because I'm sure so much of the story, uh, as we'll get to later, felt like set up. He probably didn't have as much control over the story, but he did have control over all the toppings. And man, it looks like he's having so much fun with those right. toppings. And yeah. that scene
2: at the diner where where he realizes who who Natalie actually is. Yeah. That is one of those setup moments that I did think worked in the movie for the movie itself as well as opening the world. Because you see the look on Tony's face and he's realizing very quickly that this is a much bigger thing than even just Iron Man and and yeah. how potent Iron Man's mm. powers are and how good Iron Man has been at keeping some semblance of world peace. It's going to require more than just him. And you see a lot of that in that moment when he's talking to Nick Fury and Black Widow. Also, that's yeah. when we get the first full flushed out moment of Nick Fury.
4: Yeah. Because when he yeah. walks
2: up, sir, can you
3: please step out the donut? Like, <laughs> it's just that. And then you just start getting more of him because you're like, okay, because all we got at first was, I am Iron Man, you know, you find that out, the little small piece we got in the first one, but now you're getting more of Nick Fury, and you're like, this is Sam Jackson figuring out who Nick Fury is and making it his own. And it starts to come together, just to that scene in the diner, where he's just like, I'm trying to get you back to work, bruh. Like, like, there's all these things. What do you want from me? What do we want from you? No, uh uh-uh. What do you want from me? You! become a problem. A problem I have to deal with. Contrary
2: to your belief, mm-hmm. you are not the center of my universe. Yeah, I, get I have it. bigger problems than you in the Southwest region to deal get with. Get him.
1: Shut up. I'll actually say this too. I think um, when I talk about toppings, one thing that is toppings for me is the what I call the rock'em sock'em robot scene. Literally, John Favreau has Iron Man and War Machine fight within a boxing ring. That yes. is yes. literally... <laughs> him owning his jeddak status and being like yeah we're gonna do rock'em sock'em robots and like (laughs) i live for it i am like any robot movie that doesn't do this one of the reasons why i loved pacific rim and like hated so many of the other like robot movies where i'm just like this is rock'em sock'em robots don't don't like mess up the formula and just having tony and and Don Cheadle, so having Robert Downey Jr. and Don Cheadle just square off from each other, where he tells the DJ before, drop the beat. Like they are just <laughs> owning every aspect of how absurd this is. And I love, loved, loved it. It was, uh, I, I that that to me is like, again, it's sort of like what I said in Ultron. They're having fun. And I'm kind of all about watching famous people with millions of dollars and probably hundreds of people watching, being like, yeah, no, we're going to do it because it's fun. It's like, it's stupid.
3: (laughs) But the fact you got Tony, who was getting drunk as all get out beforehand, blasting champagne bottles, tells DJ AM, drop a fat beat so I can beat my friend's ass, too.
2: You don't deserve to wear one of these. Shut it down. Goldstein. Yes, Mr. Stark. Give me a fat beat to beat my buddy's ass, (laughs) too.
3: Told you to shut it down. Walks over, casually grabs the bar with the weights off the weight pitch and yep. just smacks him. he like, now nah, you're going to go ahead. Then hit him like a little child. Now go put that back where you got it from. Yes.
1: <laughs> it's honestly like, remember those Nerf bats? He literally hits him with that like you would hit your friend with a Nerf bat. Again, John Favreau is embracing every aspect of his childhood in this movie. I love Love, loved it. But I mean, it's interesting too because the Justin Hammer character is like what Tony used to be, which is also kind of why I think that's so interesting, which is one of the reasons why I think you can't sleep on this one. There's a lot of Tony character development going from Mm -hmm. the moment when he gives Pepper the company, you know, in that scene at the very beginning when he's just like, I'm trying to make you CEO if you will just shut up and let me, which is as a type A woman, that's exactly like how that works, because you have <laughs> to like stop talking and like trying to get something to understand. I, I totally understood Pepper's moment in that. And then she just sits there like that's some great like non-verbal acting by Gwyneth Paltrow as she just lets the weight of what he's saying sort of hit her and in the back of her mind being like, but there's more to this story. Like it's more than meets the eye. I love that too.
2: I like that that correlation you just made between Justin Hammer being who Tony Stark used to be. Good looking, slick genius, but is just in it for the profit. Doesn't really care about the human cost. The thing about this movie for me that I just didn't buy are scenes like that birthday party scene where the fight ended up being a cool looking fight. But even Tony in all of his egotistical bombastic, alcoholic self. I would, I, I just did not buy any of that scene where he's like, he's it, like, he's doing, shooting clay pigeons and mm. he's putting people's lives at risk. That just never felt, even, he even Tony drunk, in his darkest Mark. moment,
3: he got drunk.
2: I just didn't, he was getting drunk in the first one too. I just no, didn't buy, no. he found I did out not he was buy dying. him being that irresponsible.
3: He found out he was dying you had, you literally have Jarvis telling him the thing that's saving your life is also killing you. Yeah. Then talks, then talks to Natalie and say, if you found out you only have a few moments left to live, what would you do? And she literally tells him, do whatever you, you want. you want.
2: I just, whatever don't you it. want. <laughs> I'm at the store. I have it in my hand. You're just charging me way too much money for it. He goes oh and pees God. in the suit, Mark.
3: What do you need? He's <laughs> like, people ask me, how do I go to the bathroom? And there's a pause
2: and he just goes, like that, I like, buy the what? I buy the peeing in the suit that 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 little lift from Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. I do buy yeah. that portion of it, but I just don't think he's putting laser beams right above people's heads, even if he's hammered. I just don't. Buy I,
1: it. Okay, I'll give you a little bit. There was some danger to that moment that yeah. is probably not accurate, but also I'm looking at it like this is 30 minutes till midnight for him at that moment mm-hmm. with no mm-hmm. you know other side to it, and so I think. The absurdity of that is much uh, mostly relative to the fact that like literally, I mean, he's like what, maybe a week, a couple weeks. Like he's like going up every 10%. And once he hits a hundred, he's lights out. And so I, I don't know. People people get really morbid. Apparently, like Anne Boleyn, when she knew that she was gonna get executed, started like having all these like weird, morbid telling people about the king's like sex life, like having all these weird things Ooh. that she was telling her ladies and waiting. So I'm like, you don't know what you're gonna do when you know that the axe is coming. That that's the way I put it. Uh, Speaking of uh, Natasha, though, or Natalie at that point, we'll talk a little bit about the casting in this movie because there's a lot of, like, switches and turns here. But I'll give it up for Scarlett Johansson as, you know, the second choice. Um, I think she does a really great job. And then later, you kind of see where she is, even though in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Ah, I want to see what Emily Blunt would have done. And I think (laughs) seeing her as Natalie... Is the most believable part of the character. I'm, that hallway scene is great, but looking at Emily Blunt and Edge of Tomorrow, can't you just think like, come on, kid?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's that what it, but again, we all still cross these fingers for that yeah. fantastic four thing. Like we're all sitting there like, st- just act like you <laughs> leave with it the know, Leave that woman alone. But leave her alone. I leave us alone, that. but it's like everybody's like, can you just be messing with everybody until they officially announce it? But yeah, it is that, I get you what you say, the the, top, the Natalie role, you're like, that's Scarlett Johansson. There we go. This yeah. is perfect. Then you see the first swing and I'm like, well, that is some good camera work right there. <laughs> <laughs> that is some good camera work. Because for one, you're like, okay, that's definitely not her. Yes. But when you do see her, it, it does look a little bit believable. But you got you to gotta suspend that disbelief. You got to be like, okay, this could have been her, but you're like... Man, they found out all the right angles to make sure no one knew the difference.
1: Yeah. And I don't know what Scarlett Johansson's like, you know, dancing or choreography or fight, you know, experience was before that. But she definitely wasn't doing action movies like this. Um And I, I just, would
2: say she could probably beat the crap out of me. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. Now, and say,
1: yes. Now, then I think
2: <laughs> I, I think back then she probably could have beat the crap out of me even when really. Way back. In 2010, I'm in better shape now than I was in 2010. You got to believe, believe,
3: yourself, in, you gotta believe in yourself, man. You
2: got to believe that you can achieve. I, I, hey, Jay, not all of us wrestled this past weekend. You know, yeah, true. Just took the weekend off. But that hallway scene—that's the original hallway scene, kids. It's not from Daredevil, which is a great hallway scene. But yeah. this fight was—it's mm-hmm. what we talked about previously on this show when we were talking about Tenet. It's not just fun Russian accents; it's also close quarters combat where the choreography is just so mesmerizing. And again, it's—it's it's watching some somebody go from being a normal person, we think, from legal, mm-hmm. into being a true visage of a superhero. And to watch that metamorphosis happen like that, that was one of the cool things of the movie. And that's one of those things where it's even more fun to watch now in retrospect, having seen all that we've gotten since then from Black Widow.
1: Yes. And I will say this, too, even um, in that respect with the with the whole Black Widow situation, Scarlett Johansson has been really big about giving props to her stuntwomen. Uh, she's taught, she's done, like, uh, a bunch of spreads. Heidi Moneymaker? Yeah, talking about how Mm -hmm. they are what makes her her. And now, obviously, however many films deep, and she's about to finally get her own. It'll be interesting to watch Black Widow having, because I haven't actually seen Black Widow. I'm seeing it tonight as we're recording. By the time this goes live, I will have seen it. I'll see you there. Yeah, I'll see you there. Uh, But... It'll be interesting to watch her this time. Cause I obviously she's she's got a few movies under her. You learn a little bit as you go. And I can imagine she's able to do more now than she was able to do in the first one. Or it could be the other way around where she's just like, Go ahead, sweetie.
2: I'm I'm and? gonna go, I'm gonna go hit my trailer. <laughs> and guess what else we're getting? Guess what else we're getting?
1: What? Oh a lot David, more Russian accents. Yeah, more Russian <laughs> accents. David <laughs> Harbour, uh, uh also what's her name? God what, Florence Pugh. Florence Pugh. Yes. Florence Pugh, who I just love. Um I was not a fan of Midsummer, but she she gave it her all in that movie. You mean um, the very
3: crazy uh this is why I go nowhere with white people sometimes? Yeah.
2: Seriously. Gotcha. Brother. Jay has told me on multiple <laughs> occasions he's not gonna go on the road with me because he's worried I'm taking him to some Midsummer like ritual.
1: Dude, and the brother the whole time. I'm like, listen to black people. They was Duh. telling you. And they just like, like ignoring, ignoring. Um uh, another thing, we kind of <laughs> talked on it before about Mickey Work. I'm sorry. Rick, Mickey Rourke was our first uh, entry of BDSM in the Marvel MCU. You cannot tell me different. Like, that is the most insane. Like, he's wearing a harness. And I know <laughs> they will come up with some <laughs> stupid reason why it was supposed to be there. But I'm like, the minute I saw it, I was like, oh, this is kink. Like legitimately well, the harness stout. and
3: everything, but they should have told you why he had whips. I think that was the issue. The harness was to power the whips, but it was like, out of all the things you could have picked fam, you just looked around the house. When you were making this in a back alley Siberia home, you just happened to have whips that you were like, you know what? These will look good, electrified. Like, what? Like...
1: Can you also picture Mickey Rourke as like your neighbor in the suburb and he's out there with his parakeet and like on his lawn? Like if he was in just a regular like robe or like just normal clothes and I saw him with a bird, I'm like, there is freaky things going on in that basement. Oh, you know, that's how he'd
2: mow the lawn. He would mow the lawn with the whips. He would just, he would just, it'd be like a, it'd be like a giant electrified weed whacker where he's just going back and forth. And I, I really think, I feel for the character too, because the character, it, it seemed like he wanted to have those electrified whips, particularly with the purpose of chopping Indy cars in half. Like, yeah. like, 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 that's why he did it. And then the rest of the movie is like, well, now I just now this is what I'm taking into battle. And I'm really, yeah. I wish I'd sort of modified my weaponry a little bit more. But man, does that it? What an imposing presence yeah. for a villain to arrive with where he does not care about the cars. Indy cards go over 200 miles an hour, kids. They're just zooming by him. He does not care. He perfectly times the whips. And he gets a car rammed into his legs multiple times, and he bounces back from it. That is a guy hell-bent on something. And
3: Rolls-Royce hits him four times against a gate. And the, but the scene, that again, shouts out to John Favreau and the Road. The dialogue that Pepper, Happy, and Tony are having at that moment, where he's <laughs> trying to get the briefcase. He like, so can, can I? Can I get? Can, he's the like, football, the football. Yeah, and he told, and Tony even tells Happy, "Were you trying to hit me?" Like, yeah. who were you trying to hit? Were you trying to hit me?
1: Can I? Can I get the football? Can I? Yeah. The other thing that's interesting too is they took away that um plot device in the story of iron man of him being able to get into the suit because i think like a movie after this basically he had it on his wrist Mm -hmm. to where he could then switch into the suit just you know by turning his wrist and i think by endgame it was literally like a ring on his finger which is like (laughs) i'm like seriously son (laughs) nanotech's on the chest i mean seriously uh also too uh on that that uh formula one scene There's like a ton of things in this movie. First of all, donating all the modern art to the Boy Scouts of America. That one didn't age well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, whoo, y'all. There's a lot going on there. And then Elon Musk popping in. And I was just like. That that
2: surprised me rewatching it last night. I didn't realize that he was a thing back in 2010. But he was only for
1: Tesla. It was before before he moved to Austin and ruined my city and, and started, you know, you know, doing all the other things that he's doing.
2: So you're blaming you're blaming Elon Musk and a bunch of comedians moving to your city as yes. the problem with man, Austin. You they're they're comedians not sending
1: they're not sending their best. Yeah, cuz you see comedians <laughs> that move to
2: Austin, they <laughs> look more Let's just be honest
3: for a second, okay? Oh god. Uh, it's it's okay.
1: It it helps property value. Um I will I will live in that truth rather than understanding that when I go home I'm going to be very much like what happened? I'm 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 scared. I get I get reports. I know I'm scared. According uh, to
2: Tim Ryan, you own multiple houses in Austin.
1: Yeah, exactly. I have one over Travis. Oh, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Lake Austin, Lake Travis, yeah. and you know our vac- vacation home in Marble Falls. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk a little bit about it. It's sort of behind the scenes, but it's a nice little thing to sort of like transition to Don Cheadle uh, coming in, taking over for Terrence Howard, which. I think it all worked out. Don Cheadle is amazing, and Terrence hear Yeah, you wanted to, hear yeah. who wanted to keep great. hearing Tony.
3: Tony.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry,
2: Mark. Sorry, Mark. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I mean, if you're just going off of Don Cheadle being in this movies and now in these series of films, it's always great to have an actor of that caliber in movies like this because it adds legitimacy to it and his relationship that he's forged. You can see how much him and Tony still care about each other, but you also see that they're on different ends of the spectrum with a lot of the events in this movie. But that makes it even cooler when War Machine and Iron Man at the end of the film have to team up to win the day. And so they have that fight between each other. It's a little like a pre-Civil War at mm-hmm. Tony's birthday party when he's hammered. And then to watch them team up. That's one of those cool, chill-inducing moments that you get that I think we're lacking for most of this movie. But that scene is definitely one of them. It's probably why that was the scene in the trailer that really helped sell this movie is, again, towards the end, being attacked by drones. Here comes Iron Man and War Machine back to back like a buddy cop movie.
1: Yeah. No. Absolutely. And you needed that. Um, and having them argue through the first part of the film is really interesting. And I also thought it was interesting too that they kept Rhodey where he actually was because Rhodey is a is a is an officer in the military. You follow orders. Like mm-hmm. the idea that he would break bad with Tony is a little disingenuous for a whole bunch of reasons. One of the reasons why I think Sam is Sam is he's retired at the beginning of uh, his time with with Steve Rogers, like to be an active duty military person and to just sort of say like, I'm not following orders. And how many times does, how many times does a roadie say that? I'm just here on orders. I'm just here on orders. Like he just wants him to know. He's like, I can't, I can't do anything about it. I can't do anything about it, which again, it's it's interesting. And I, I feel a bit for uh, that character. But again, I think Don Cheadle added a lot to, to what could have been maybe a little... A little uh, one-sided.
0: Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
1: But also, um, yeah, I think we already talked about Sam Rockwell. Also, give it up for Sam Rockwell getting his wife cast in the movie. Leslie Bibb, <laughs> oh, that's, his, sure. that's his wife. And uh, he got her in this one. I, I mean, not, maybe not married, yeah. partner. But they've been together since Frost Nixon, which is like 2007. So like they've been together a while. Um, all right, we're going to get out of uh, the movie talk and, and go into a little bit behind the scenes. But i I mean, I guess a lot of the reviews said felt like a setup, felt like a setup. <sighs> Honestly, now after Endgame and all the stuff they've done, everything is a setup. Mm-hmm. They have retconned so much. You could say that, if I think, about all of this. And I have to think some of that was planned. So I don't know. Mark, what are you? I feel like
2: a lot of that is the last thing you see with the movie. And so many times it's not the fault of the film or the post-credit scene. But we're walking out of the movie talking about the post-credit scene as much as we are the movie itself. And here you had a completely different post-credit scene that's sort of a tease of Thor- that John Favreau did not direct. I mean, that's footage that they got from when they were shooting Thor, and so I think that that is part of the reason why it feels like a setup movie. Is that you didn't just have this jokey tag at the end or something more intrinsic to the Iron Man franchise proper? You saw a greater MCU, but you also had some new characters introduced, and so I think this is the time when you look at Iron Man movies as vehicles to introduce more characters because they know everybody's going to want to see an Iron Man movie, so let's sprinkle in characters that we can introduce now and then set up for their own future. Future movies,
1: yeah. Uh, Jay, what about you? How do you feel about it?
3: Again, you, you, I agree with Mark. Yeah, you set up a lot of things, but this is its own movie because it's the story of Tony Stark. At the end of the day, you know, yeah, you have post credit scenes, but we we started getting post credit scenes in Iron Man. You know, mm. I'm here to tell you about the Avengers Initiative, which everybody loses their mind. Mm. You have an in Incredible Hulk. Have have we talked to you about the Avengers initiative? This is mm-hmm. the one one, the one scene so far where you don't hear the words Avengers, you know, say so at the end, you hear it in the movie. So everything they did, you know, for me, it was like it was its own film. Yes, it's building to something else. And like Jacqueline said earlier, in in retrospect, everything is a setup. Yeah. Everything is. I mean, now that we look at it, we're 23 films into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you're like. Well, this built all the way up because all the time we were building up to Avengers to that first conflict with Tony and Steve of you're not the guy to step on the line, you know, lay on the line for the guy. Everything special about you came in a bottle. We get the payoff of that in Endgame. Yeah. You know, with Steve lifting the hammer. Tony's I am Iron Man and dying. You know, Mm -hmm. you get all these things. So everything that they say with people like, oh, this didn't feel like its own. It is its own.
1: Yeah. And I think it takes a little bit away. And again, at that time, we were very much living in the spoiled land of superhero adaptations. And so we could be strange and nitpicky. I think some Mm -hmm. of the later stuff that we saw from maybe some other studios let people know, hey, this is a little bit harder than y'all think. Um, Yeah. Making a movie
2: that is setting up so much and having that movie at least be enjoyable on the way there, because there's a fine line between being a setup movie and being a patsy. You know, yeah. you, you don't just want to you don't want to telegraph that you're just setting up. That's what I had the problem with. One of those Maze Runner movies is where the whole movie felt like it was just trying to get you to come back for the for the third one next year. And yeah. this one at least did a good job of keeping you entertained, although full well knowing that there's going to be a lot more movies. So start saving your money, everyone.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, that wraps up our movie talk section. Let's go ahead and talk about the behind the scenes because this is another example of one of those movies we had so much fun, but there was a lot going on behind the scenes. So, Brian, cue the music. Okay, kids. So we already talked about Don Cheadle replacing Terrence Howard, but there's like so much behind this, and. I said that it looks like they're having fun, but there was also some like other things that went on behind the scenes. Um, Mark, do you have your favorite like you know trouble in paradise sort of pull from uh, Iron Man that you want to bring up?
2: Well, just the, the the thing of of Mickey Rourke afterwards complaining that he really worked hard to make this com- this character multi dimensional. And and give him a proper backstory and reasoning to where you could side with him in some regard. And according to him, a lot of that was left on the cutting room floor. And so with an actor of Mickey Rourke's caliber, you do want to see what else we could have had with that movie. And that bleeds into something else that we heard reports of is that they were literally finishing the script as they're on set. And so it's it's coming down to the wire here. And you're just you're pressed for time. So you can't get everything quite as fine tuned as you wanted to. And I feel like Mickey Rourke's performance may have been one of the victims of those constant changes.
1: Yeah, I mean, or maybe his character development. Maybe not his performance, but just his character development. Because I did feel like he gave a pretty good performance considering now knowing what you know, as far as the difference. I don't but consider
2: him one dimension, even though he does. I mean, you still you see this and you understand why he he is who he is. This isn't just some, you know, random villain who just shows up with no motivation whatsoever. You understand where the guy's coming from.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The one thing I will say, too, about this film is Nobody, I think, felt 100% secure because if I look at at it now, I'm like, how does RDJ, who seems to be so like the captain of the ship and really, you know, he he pulled Justin Thoreau into this. How does he let the Terrence Howard thing happen? That is something that always never yeah. set well with me. It's sort of like, OK, if you all didn't like him and you're OK with him being recast, but it seems like, you know. I know they didn't want you as Iron Man, but after that success, don't you feel you could have been like, hey guys, like I'll take a little bit of a cut so we can get Terrence Howard to be in this movie. I don't know. Jay, what do you think?
3: I mean, for Terrence Howard to wake up one morning having coffee and look at the paper and then find out he's been replaced is the hardest thing ever. Because that's the story. That Terrence Howard woke up in the morning, was reading the newspaper and found he had been replaced. Mm -hmm. He didn't even get told. So it it is kind of like, yeah, if you're Robert Downey Jr., you're like, yeah, you could possibly tell him, but there's also so many rumors going around. Like you said, Terrence Howard asked for so much more money, more than Robert Downey Jr. And mm-hmm. he wasn't the star. Again, going back to what you just said as well. You had John Favreau who had to literally beg and plead, be like, yo, can we please get Robert Downey Jr.?
4: Mm-hmm. And everybody
3: was like, no. Do you know his past? Like, yeah. there's no guarantee. He was like, trust me. and. It's just, it's really, it's it sounds like it's a confusing thing, but it's not. It's like, how, how do you tell somebody, yo, they're going to
2: recast you? How do yeah, you tell somebody that, in that? Part of Favreau fighting for Downey to be Iron Man was fought by Terrence Howard because Terrence yes. Howard oh, was well, first. No, I didn't before, know that. Before, signed before, first. Yeah, before yeah. Downey was cast as Iron Man, so Terrence Howard was one of the ones in the Downey camp. And so that's where the, the disappointment, just the weirdness, oh. I, I don't know if they had a falling out or whatever it was, but according to Terrence Howard, uh, the, you know, Downey, he helped Downey get the job. And then when he found out he didn't he he was going to be recast. He didn't talk to Downey for a period of months after that. And so, yeah, I, I'm with you, Jack. And it's always it never sat quite right with me. I, I know that there's got to be more to that story. But at the end of the day, we as the audience, we're still going to go see these movies. And Don Cheadle's a replacement is is a pretty damn good backup to come in off the bench.
1: And what's interesting, too, is I think the reason why this movie gets a bit of a bad rap was the was the box office for it. Like it was a bit of a step down, especially from, you know, at this point now, particularly, but even back then, billion dollars. That's the benchmark for these movies. They they put so much money into the marketing they put so much money into it. And so if it doesn't hit that, it can feel like a disappointment. And so even though I think this movie holds up and it has a lot of enjoyment. Even some of the cast were like disappointed with it. It's also funny. We mentioned the contract. Shout out to Mark Hoffmeyer, our researcher. But Samuel L. Jackson also had contract issues because they wanted Mm. to sign him up for nine movies. And brother was like, that's a lot. That's like a lot of work you got to turn down over the next few years. If you're going to do nine movies, it's kind of a miracle that it's always a miracle when a movie gets made. I always say this. It's always. miracles that a movie gets made. If the movie happens to be a good movie, it's um, even more of a miracle. Um, the fact that maybe you had a good time doing it and it ends up being a good movie, like that's like a trifecta. That's a hole in one. And it doesn't, I think, often happen with these films. And it's that goes funny. back to
2: to what Jay was saying too about Don Cheadle when he got offered the role. It, it was his kid's birthday party and he got a call and they said, hey, Marvel wants you. They want to meet with mm-hmm. you, but they're going to go ahead and offer you this role they need a six-picture commitment, you have one hour to make a decision. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Like you're thinking about the, the next decade of your life, and it's it, it's a lot. That's a, that's a very uh consternating hour to yeah. contemplate your future. And then and you got to think... I'm sorry, Jacqueline. No, go ahead. And then,
3: then you got... If they would have possibly recast Samuel L. Jackson, right? When you look mm. at it and you find out that the MCU is mirrored off of the ultimate universe of Marvel Comics, where Nick Fury was made off of Samuel L. Jackson in the comics before mm-hmm. he was even cast in the role. So, like, how do you try to change that? It's just yeah. all these, what, you know, it's that what if, no pun intended for Disney+, Plus. but, yeah. like, what would have happened in all these situations? But now, think about it. If somebody would have said no, right? If t- if Don Cheadle says, no, I'm not doing this. If, if Samuel L. Jackson says, no, I'm not doing this. What does the Marvel Cinematic Universe look like as we know it now?
1: It's totally different. Captain America, I mean, Captain America, Captain Marvel, billion-dollar movie, so much of that is what Samuel L. Jackson does. Mm -hmm. Coulson, how that character evolves. There's just so much um, that I would say is incredibly involved in this movie, and so it doesn't get maybe the credit that it should get. Um, Another thing, too, so again, we're doing this because of Black Widow, I mean, just looking back on it now, another thing that doesn't hold up. Why is why is Scarlett Johansson in her bra? <laughs> Y'all couldn't put her in a T-shirt underneath that outfit? Like, it's the same thing with the bra shot in Into Darkness. Remember, what's her name? She has that, like, naked scene. Like, women need to change way more than women need to change in these movies.
4: Also, do you guys love that um, every time she walks into frame, the camera is down under her ass Yeah. it's so degrading for it's no very, freaking yeah. reason you can tell yeah. this
2: movie was directed in 2010 and Ugh. not 2020 mainly right. for those kind of reasons but even just the the sexism that t- the tony stark character wears on his sleeve in yeah. this movie even more than in the first one when when we knew he was a philandering playboy but this takes it to another when literally you're his you're from legal and he's just gonna make you go fight happy it's like yeah i I loved how her takedown of happy in that scene but the whole setup of it was like this guy really has some this guy really needs to to be in therapy there's like four
1: bra shots of natasha romanoff in this movie that i still oh she modeled in japan we gotta not just show it one way we gotta show it the other way too
3: (laughs) Or the one, the scene where they're at Monaco and you have Christine Everhart-Lebsley-Bibbs character come mm-hmm. up with Justin Hammer. And he was like, yeah, she's doing a spread on me. He was like, yeah,
1: she did a spread on me too. Yeah. And wrote an article. you like, oh! Exactly. Oh! Again, it is of the time, but it of is the of the time. And the uh, the other thing I will just um, go ahead and add to with the um, 2010 of it is there's an interview by one of our brethren who will remain nameless, but I will never forget this because, again, the Natasha Romanoff suit, I don't recall it being quite that hardcore in the comics. <laughs> Jay, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but the one thing I will say is he asked, he asked Scarlett Johansson in the interview, can you wear underwear in that? Like Oof. a reporter, reporter. I mean, it and did, luckily- it, it... Yeah,
2: it look tight. But I I, I dare say that uh, that's not a question that you're going to get. I don't think she's going to be asked that question in the press rounds for Black Widow. I'll say. Dude. Yeah. Could you wear draws in your suit?
3: What? No.
1: Like I will ask Tom Holland if he wears underwear in his Spidey suit, though. By the way, Tom Holland talks about (laughs) this like he looks like the geek on set because everybody else wears these like molded suits. And um, he, because of the way his suit is set up, and because it is so tight, he's basically in a like oney, like he's in this like like a gymnastics unitard basically. And so like everybody else is all like Thor's got his like you know cape on Strange and things. And hey, cry me a
2: river, kid. Go see Empire Strikes Back.
1: Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I mean yeah, but Black Widow
2: was she was sexualized. I mean most.
3: If you look at most women in the comics back in the day, big breasts and all these, you know, just really detailed features, but I don't think they just drew scenes where they're like, all right, so you're going to see the the bottom of uh, Black Widow's butt cheeks no. right here. Like, this is just the shot. Like, those weren't a thing. But in Iron Man 2, was like, no, make sure you get this shot right here. Right Again. here,
1: like... This is still the man who made swingers. Love you, John. You're amazing. You're awesome. (laughs) You've grown, but he still made swingers. Don't want anyone to forget. Don't want anyone to forget that. I bet.
4: I think that was a Marvel thing, though. Right. It was a Marvel thing, too. It's not John going like, let's make sure to show her ass. And every, every time she walks onto frame, it's like. You know, sex sells, we, but that means the ladies have to be putting it yeah. forward. Well, this is also
2: 2010 and, and you have Michael Bay made it made how how many movies that had that were literally pioneered that art of filmmaking <laughs> of getting the shot from below looking yep. up at yeah. if it's a dude, it's a billowing trench coat. If it's a female, it's a billowing skirt or it's it's jeans if you're lucky. And and I think that that's just some of the 2010 of it and that you look at this movie as a setup for future Marvel movies and it does a great job of that. But you also look at it as how do we course correct from being this overt in our testosterone? How do we how do we actually control this and harness this a little bit more and make it more palatable for audiences of all kinds to enjoy?
3: Yeah, I know how I know how. You go to the Avengers, and the first time you see Black Widow, you have her in a chair being a spy mm-hmm. in a sexy dress, and then she just whoops everybody.
1: Yeah, you but again, a, still boobs yeah, out. Yeah, that's boobs true. Out. See,
3: that boobs boobs out. out. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right.
1: She didn't have to do that later. Um, but actually, this is a good uh, moment for that, since we're talking about sort of the, the way things line up. Where does this rank for you, Jay? Like, where do you put it? This, the Iron Man, like, what's the order? Which is the first, which is the last. As far as the
3: Iron Man trilogy? Yeah. It's one, two, three. It's automatic. It's literally in order. One, two, three. I
1: think that's the easiest way to say it for me, too. I know there's people who, like, you know, have written video essays and have made their entire personality around saying that Iron Man 3 is great. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) If they don't sit down
3: somewhere, I'm really the man. But I'm with you. I'm
1: like one, two, three. I don't think three is as bad as people give it crap for right but i still think it's one two three
2: mark one two three okay i'm gonna be very frustrating on this the answer is the best iron man movie is the first one the second best iron man movie is the first half of iron man (laughs) three and then (laughs) i'll put all of iron (laughs) man two and then i'll put the second half of iron man three and it's not just the mandarin reveal i i at least like that uh, that that a machine, this huge and this global, as the MCU had become by that point, was still up for taking risks like that. That's a big swing. And I'm not saying they knocked it out of the park, but mm-hmm. I appreciate them taking the risk and at least sticking the bunt. Yeah. But there's other things that just bothered the hell out of me towards the end of Iron Man 3 where it just... It, it just evolves so much for me that mm-hmm. I put that half below Iron Man 2. And so, look, I can put any of these movies on, and if I'm just hanging out with the doggy on a Saturday, I'll probably finish watching whatever Iron Man movie I put on. I just enjoy the movies and that character and all the other b- pop that we get that much, but Iron Man, the first one, is still the gold standard for me. Maybe in the, in the whole MCU, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, okay. I, I don't disagree with that one, and that's actually a good place to go ahead and end this uh, behind-the-scenes talk and transition to trivia slash talk about the mailbag. So, Brian, cue us up. Yeah, so we don't have a mailbag this week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what a setup. What a it team. is.
3: It was so wrong. I was like, this is going to be trivia slash... Yeah, we ain't
2: got that. Yeah, yeah. we ain't email back. mailbag. That's a but, lot of pressure on my trivia question. You can email us anytime. For future yes. episodes, you can hit us up. RT yes. is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. That's RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. We love hearing your comments, your suggestions for future movies. We love our certified freshies. So your trivia question today, I'm going to give you an easy one and a hard one. The easy one is, I guess they're both a little challenging. So in this movie, you have... Six main stars who have combined to be nominated for nine Oscars. A lot, mm-hmm. of, a lot of potential hardware winners in this movie. Two of them won an Oscar at some point in their career. Name the two that actually own an Oscar from Iron Man 2.
1: Oh, uh, that's easy. Sam Rockwell and, and Gwyneth, Gwyneth
2: Paltrow. Patrick. Very good. Very good. See, I told you there was one easy one, and then a tougher one. So the tougher one... You may know the answer to this. Again, I didn't know Justin Throw was a screenwriter until last night. Name the other sequel that Justin Throw is credited writing. Oh, I know that. Jay? Uh,
1: sequel? It yeah. is
2: definitely not a comic book movie, and it is, sorry to say this, I'm a big fan of Justin's acting. It's one of the worst m- movies I've ever seen in my life. Well, that <laughs> speaks of volumes of movies. I have not even
4: see. seen this, here, but here, I know give him, a, give him help. There's a quote about ants in the first one. Right,
2: it's a I comedy are. sequel. Right about supermodels.
1: Zoolander what is this
4: the school 2. for ants? Zoolander.
1: Zoolander.
2: 2. Zoolander. He wrote 2. Zoolander two. He did write. He, he co-wrote it. He co-wrote Zoolander two, yeah. and that's a movie that I hope we never do on this show, simply because there is no Rotten Tomatoes is wrong about that movie. <laughs> Unless somebody you're going may love
1: it. Way. Somebody may love it. It's not. I, it's not as low as it could be. If it's that, supposed th- to be the that one bad, one
2: part of that movie that is that, that that is funny is when he runs into Sting. That that part is funny, but other I've than never that, seen the is, movie, so oh, never. It, you don't need to. I promise you, it's just like you never needed to see Caddyshack too. You don't need to see it.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you for taking the hit for me to where I don't. Oh, uh, I don't have to. I don't have to deal with that, Jay Sir. Yes, Pleasure, ma'am. as always. This was so I love being so on here with
3: fun. y'all. You two are amazing. Like, I love y'all individually as people. You know what I'm Aww. saying? Y'all are great and phenomenally as people. Mark is like a superstar. I'm just trying to ride his coattails. Jacqueline, you just like the epitome of black excellence in this Aww. space.
2: Shush.
3: You know what I'm saying? So I love being here with y'all. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it warms my heart.
1: And Jay Jay is booked for the rest of the month, ladies and gentlemen. I'm kidding. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. (laughs) But no, seriously, tell folks. Go ahead, Mark.
2: Got to ask you, when you get wings, bone in, bone out. Well,
3: I'm a grown man and an adult. Oh, no. So
2: uh, there's this thing called
3: bone in wings. Now, when you're doing boneless wings, they're not chicken nuggets. You're just doing cut up chicken tenders, Mark. I just want you to say if you if I get we're all aging we're getting older in our years and if you want to tell us all that you don't have back teeth so you don't want to do chicken wings
2: with bones in them <laughs> I understand that that's what you're telling us We have the technology <laughs> to remove the bones and I am taking advantage of What technology we just
3: cut up the chicken breast and just dip it in batter and fry you don't you don't, 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 don't. Uh... don't do
1: not uh mechanically separated chicken is a thing, but trust me, Mark, you don't want to go there. I am actually a person, there's been a little like strife because I am actually a drumette fan. I am too. And I, not everyone here shares my love of drumettes. And I've been told that flats, when no wings without flats are like kitty wings. So I feel like as far as I've been told, because there's also like a way to eat flats correctly to where you get it clean. Like Mm. there's another thing about that. And uh, I've been told that I have kitty wings. So everybody has their connoisseurs. And you know what, Ketchup Crew, talk to us about your wing strategy. What are your favorite (laughs) sauces? I want to know. Uh, Jay, let us know what you're working on real quick, so we can
3: Absolute, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I'm working on not going to Wingstop, which is on the corner from my house, data. After mm-hmm, this conversation, mm-hmm. because I can just walk to Wingstop. That is nothing but the devil. Um, <laughs> that's Satan right there. It's like I'm gonna tempt you. To- Boy, come on down here. I don't want them wings. It's good, delicious. It's garlic parmesan. Blurreds in the hood every Tuesday and Thursday, uh, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. on the East Coast, the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash blurreds in the hood. It's myself and Winston A. Marshall. We get, we get caught up in the world of pop culture, entertainment, news, sports, politics, and so much more from a blurred perspective, and we are unapologetically black. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Mr. J Washington. I got a lot of stuff going on in different places. I would say find me there. Mad Titan podcast where I talk about all the Marvel and DC live live-action TV shows and movies. So I do all that on that. It's everywhere you get podcasts from.
1: Love it. And uh, since you're a man in the know, give us a quick movie or TV show recommendation.
3: I ha- I'm a Samuel L. Jackson fan, so I will always promote Samuel L. Jackson movies. Uh, I've been watching Black Snake Moan. Because Yay. I felt like laughing and I was like, this is the greatest, most hilarious thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, David Banner has a main role
1: in this movie.
2: Lord. <laughs> I got to see it. Never it, say is, it.
1: it. It has a great... There's a great gif of Samuel Jackson that is yeah. from that movie. Yeah. That him but with the eyes out. That yeah, with the but this of- is also a movie of its time. I'll just put that out there. It is also a movie of its time. We have to get out of here, um, but I want to make sure I give a chance because he is back on the road, ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Mark Ellis. Oh. Please check him out. Mark Ellis Live over at his website or on his Twitter where you can link to the website because I know you have some dates, sir, and I want to make sure folks that listen to us can check it out. So, oh, Thank
2: you. I'll be in Seattle later this month, July 24th. I'm doing a cool theater up there. And then in September, NFL kickoff week, I'm going to be in Las Vegas at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club all week long from September 6th to September 12th. Then in between, you could probably find me in Hollywood at the world famous comedy store. Thank you for that setup, Jacqueline. You can follow her at that Jacqueline. I am at Mark Ellis Live. And next week, this is a movie that we've been waiting to talk about for a long time. We have talked about it, and this is one of the very first iterations, maybe one of the first conversations that Jack and I ever recorded together was about a movie who has a new legacy returning to theater soon, but we're talking about the original, Space Jam, starring... The GOAT, Michael, Jeffrey, Jordan. I know Jay agrees with that assessment.
3: Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The GOAT. And yes, we're not talking about his acting skills. That's a whole nother film.
1: (laughs) That's a whole nother (laughs) film. Anyway, this was fun. Thank you all so much for listening. Come back next week and join us for Space Jam. And we'll see y'all then. Bye.